0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. Uh, If you haven't already seen the title, this will be part three of three for the Baratheon's faction. Um, Tonight we'll be going over all the commanders and their tactics cards. I will briefly mention the Baratheon tactics deck because I, I think it did change slightly from what we saw in the visions. Uh, so I, I, again, I'll, I'll briefly mention those, but I'll just read through all of them and then give like overall thoughts on that to kind of get through that quickly. Um, but, uh, as far as, yeah, the rest of the show, we will do, uh, eight of the 10 commanders. We will skip, uh, the starter Stannis and starter Renly because, uh, we did go over those in the visions and I believe they did not change those at all. So, uh, so yeah tonight's going to be kind of jam packed uh so because of that I uh, just have on my co-host Spencer uh thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me on. Of course.
0: And uh I fear we'll be able to get through all this content pretty pretty decently with uh just the both of us on here. Um so we'll jump right into it uh as usual. <clears throat> First up we'll talk about Loris So Loris, Commander, he comes with Expert Duelist, so uh, each time this unit performs a melee attack before rolling attack dice, choose one. This attack deals plus one wound, uh, or target one infantry attachment in the defender's unit and roll a die, and on a three-up, destroy that attachment. He also comes with Dauntless, Uh, each time this unit passes a morale test, restore one wound, and Loyalty Renly Baratheon. Uh, his three cards are Performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice That enemy performs one morale test On a failure, they become vulnerable and weakened If they're in short range of Loris Tyrell They suffer minus two to the roll uh, Overgrowth At the start of an enemy turn Target one friendly unit It performs one morale test If it is engaged with an enemy with more remaining ranks it uh, It passes this test On a success, attach this card to the friendly unit until the end of the game. While attached, each time that unit is attacked before resolving that attack, the attacker suffers one hit plus one hit for each of the defender's remaining ranks. And then, finally, he has growing strong. After a friendly unit completes an attack, for each enemy rank uh, destroyed by this attack, this unit restores two wounds. If the targets, if this targets the uh, Tyrell's unit, restore plus one wound per enemy destroyed rank. Now, overall, I'm going to put Loris in the category of strong. Uh, and really that's because of his, uh, and it'll kind of be this, this kind of, in my opinion, going to be the theme for most of the commanders is that, um, I personally don't think any of i think they're all uh all the attachments abilities are amazing uh i I don't think there's a single commander where I'm kind of disappointed in their attachment abilities I think it's it'll really come down to their tactics cards so in this case, loris is a solid choice in my opinion just because of how strong his abilities are and some of the combos you can um do with him like putting him in the uh Rose Knights, not only thematic, but uh, for seven points, brings them back to their glory uh, abilities of having that dauntless stock. Uh, and expert duelist on a commander is crazy good, um, unless obviously you're, you know, facing down Drogo. As long as you can somehow outtime your opponent, and if they're coming at you with an expert duelist, you can. Uh, attempt to charge in an expert duelist, their expert duelist, before they can snipe your commander away. Uh, so, I rate Loris for that reason alone, pretty much, as one of the highest commanders. But uh, with that said, I think uh, a lot of his Texas cards are kind of lacking. Um, I know Spencer has a way more experience with Loris than I do, but I, in my very limited uh, place testing uh, uh, as Baratheons, Um, the handful of times I've used Loris, uh, his cards almost never seem to go off. And it, it doesn't really make sense to me that it's, uh, two of them are panic based. I know one's for you and then, and with the option of auto passing, uh, and then one is against an enemy, but with an ability to make it minus two, it just seems a little out of place. I'm not sure. Um. But before I elaborate way too much on it, uh, Spencer, what do you think about Loras here? Uh,
1: I would say overall he he's okay. I I don't think I'm as high on him as you. Although I will say having expert duelist on a commander, I believe Caldrogo is the only other one, unless you want to count Vargo. Uh, so that's already a very useful ability to have. Uh, Dauntless is a nice ability. Uh, I don't think it's great, but I think it's you know it's not one I'm gonna ever complain about being on a commander. Uh, definitely brings some survivability to some units. Um, again, my pr- kind of problem is like you were uh, touching on. His cards are problematic, in my opinion. He 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 does the the love by the small folk is. I'm gonna already right say it's a, it's kind of a bad card. Uh, relying on your opponent failing a morale test and all you get out of it is your opponent becoming panicked or. Uh, Vulnerable and weakened, which is not like, oh, that's terrible stuff, but it's the conditions required to make it even happen in the first place. That's kind of a feel bad, in my opinion, of what a, a card should be doing. Um, I know his best card, in my opinion, is the uh, what is it, Overgrowth, the Attached to Your Own Unit. I've had very bad success with this. And it could just be I roll bad, but I've tried this I think six times and I've only gotten it twice ever um, to actually get onto a unit. I, I always seem to just fail. Um, and even the two times I have gotten it on it, my opponent pretty much just ignored those units because it just it they didn't find it even worthwhile to attack. And so like I had to, I think one was on a rose knight, so it's like great I want you to attack this unit, and they have even less incentive to attack. Than they normally would have, even with just deadly bloom. Uh, I do think it's a good card. Don't get me wrong. I just think it's it's not as easy to pull off as when you first read it and you're like, "Wow, that looks like a great card." It doesn't have the impact that you're hoping for usually. Um, the other card, the was it growing strong? <sighs> At most, you're normally only healing two. And I just go for a tactics card. When you see some other tactics cards in other factions, you're just like, dude, they can heal like three to four minimum. This is at most probably going to do only two because it's not easy to do two ranks of damage. Um, Even if they already are pretty weakened to begin with. It's just brassians don't have that kind of punch for the most part. So it's just it's not as easy to use. Uh, another kind of problem I have is, like, oh, Loris seems to have a hard bunker. Like, like, it's kind of hard to figure out what to, uh, you could put him in sentinels, just kind of increase your speed. Uh, I don't think he works very well, actually, in Rose Knights, because I think he's too slow. He He's not really engaging targets and doing what you need him to do. Uh, although it is nice to give Dauntless back to the Rose Knights. Same problem with Wardens. They're just, they're not fast enough, and I feel like Loris needs to be offensive. Uh, so I find the best homes for them is either in Sentinels or in Bastard Girls, which is kind of unfortunate in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Growing Strong has so much potential because um, it has a minimum of, well, zero, because if you don't destroy a rank, but obviously you just wouldn't play the card. So we'll, for the, that argument, we'll say it's a minimum of two to a max of six if it's Loris and you took out two ranks. but um that's more like you said, more often than not, uh, you're either gonna be holding on to this card way too long or you're probably just getting two wounds out of it. Um and out of my games, out of playing overgrowth four times, I have yet to have it work. Um and again, maybe that's just bad luck on both of our parts, but it'd be nice if uh Maybe if it had an easier auto-pass, uh, so, like, I don't know, if it was a Tyrell unit, um, just it auto-passes, so Rose Knight or any anything that they might come out with in the future, just be like, oh, well, you know, I can, you know, and then if they gave, like, Loris the Tyrell keyword, you could just automatically uh, attach it to Loris's unit or any of the Tyrell units. Um, having something have more remain, remaining ranks in you is fine and all, but uh, more often than not, like you're, that's not going to happen uh, until later in the, in the game, like round three or something. And by then, if you drew this card early, it's basically a dead card. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say a dead card because you can play it at the start of any enemy turn, but if you want to really try to get that auto-pass, I mean, you're not going to be able to get that Whereas if it was something more along the lines of, like, a Tyrell unit, then, you know, you could play it right away, uh, right when you draw it. You know, you you might not be able to play it on, let's say, your Stagnites, unless, uh, you know, Loris is in there, but, uh, you know, and if you wanted the Auto Pass. But at least you had an option be like, you know what, I don't want to hold on to this forever. I don't want to take a risk in playing it on this unit, where which has Morale six. So, uh, you know what? I have a Tyrell unit right there. Let's, let's throw it on them. Um, and yeah, loved by the small folk, uh, a chance at getting vulnerable and weakened. Uh, I don't know. It would be nice if it was, uh, <clears throat> like you automatically got one of the tokens at least. And then if they fail, you get the other one. Um, it's just it's a lot hinging on your opponent to pass a morale test. It's not even like a panic test, so they won't even take damage. And yes, you could get a minus two on there, but I don't know. Like other otherwise, you don't really have a lot of ways as a Tyrell or a uh, Renly focused faction to get more minuses in there, not easily. So this this card just kind of seems out of place. But uh, like I said, overall. I love uh, Run, or uh attachment abilities, not so much as cards. Um, next up, uh, we'll talk about Renly Baratheon, Lord Paramount of the Stormlands, a.k.a. Uh, Loris's brother. Uh, was it Garland or Gar- Garand? I, I forget think his it's name.
1: Garland, but I could be wrong. It could be Garland. So for anyone that
0: didn't read the books, uh, Loris's brother is the one that wore Renly's armor uh, at the Battle of the Blackwater, in which a lot of people thought Renly had been resurrected or that his ghost was fighting with everyone. So, because they decided to give him a picture in full armor and he can't see his face, I'm convinced that this is actually not Renly Baratheon. It's uh, Loris's brother. And uh, anyone that, in my opinion, that plays this attachment is confirming that Renly died. Sorry, Renly uh, lovers. I'm just kidding. Anyways, uh, he has uh, the Boasterous Charisma. This unit may never be targeted by enemy orders, tactics cards, or be influenced by enemy NCUs. And this ability is innate, so you can never make it go away. Meaning that this effect is all, you know, you're never going to be able to, um, let's see, you know, throw any tactics cards uh Let's see, what are some bad tactics cards? Um,
1: uh, uh, of power, I guess. If you wanted to try and yeah, remove that. Um, uh, hear me roar. Or um
0: there's too many, like all those minuses and stuff, uh orders. Um like I don't know. I keep thinking of like offensive orders that wouldn't apply, like insight um, or something, or set for charge.
1: Well, but, I would uh, say martial training, you wouldn't become vulnerable. I think they would still get the re-rolls, so. though.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose that would be, uh,
1: yeah, because you would have multiple targets with yep. that. You'd be targeting uh, vulnerable here. The marked targets or threatens wouldn't work.
0: Um, He also gives Stalwart, so plus two to the morale test rolls. His first card is Inexplicable Return. Uh, It's when a friendly NCU claims a zone, replace that zone's effect with choose one. Move one friendly attachment from one unit to another friendly unit without an attachment in long range. Or, attach one previously destroyed friendly attachment to one friendly combat unit without an attachment, replacing a a model as usual. Then he has Hidden Affairs. After a friendly unit not containing Renly Baratheon is attacked, Renly's unit performs one attack or charge action on the attacker. This attack rolls its highest attack die value. And start of a friendly turn, draw one taxis card uh, as another option in case uh, one you just don't want it or two Renly's dead. Uh, And then his last card is In His Brother's Shadows. When an enemy commander's unit activates, choose one. If that enemy is in long range of Renly's unit, that commander loses all abilities until the end of the round. Or, Renly's unit performs one maneuver or retreat action. Or, another option is, at the start of any turn, if the enemy commander has been destroyed, Renly Baratheon's unit restores two wounds. So, um, Spencer, I'll let you start off with this one. What are your thoughts about Renly here?
1: So... He's kind of another one, and I think it's going to come up a couple times in this uh, Commander review, where his stuff just doesn't seem to flow very well. Like, it's all kind of disjunct and all over the place. Um, is he a bad Commander? I, no, I don't think he is. I just feel like he's not very focused. Um, he He seems to be struggling with what is this guy actually supposed to do. I feel like his cards... And some of his ability, uh, you know, like his uh, innate ability, the boisterous you-can't-target-me, lends to kind of an offensive, aggressive style that you're supposed to do with him <laughs> in the Baratheon army, uh, I guess, with how how you want to do that. Um, Stallworth is always good. Uh, the boisterous charisma is very nice. Uh, like we said, though, it's kind of hard, and it feels very matchup dependent of whether or not that's actually going to be important. Uh, I feel like there's plenty of factions that'd be like, yeah, we don't, we don't care about that at all. Uh, it, it It's nice in very specific matchups, though. Um, his cards, the Inexplicable con- uh, Return, I feel like is a nod to the fact that uh, Garland portrayed him in the Battle of Blackwater. I feel like that's the whole purpose of that card is to kind of, you know, poke fun at that. Um because otherwise, it doesn't make any sense for his inexplicable return. Um, his hidden affairs—I just go. This is trying to be countercharge from one point six. Only it's directly on only on his unit and has to go against the unit that did the attack. Uh, I find that almost too clunky because um, that means he's not in combat at, when the time happens that you have this card and if he is in combat, it's pretty much a useless card and you're just using it to draw another card then. Um it doesn't yeah, I think work. It he, al- I was going to say gonna it say, doesn't I work even it would if,
0: work a lot better if it was like Eddard's card.
1: I that's what I was going to bring up. I was like I feel like it's supposed to be fury for the fallen but it's not. Um it does you know fury for the fallen even works when Eddard's own unit gets attacked. His doesn't. His is another unit and it has to target the uh the uh, attacker that attacked your unit. Um, it, it just feels very clunky when we already have stuff like Sentinel on our Sentinels and it's like that's basically the same thing. Um,
0: and Brienne,
1: the blue. Yeah, and Brienne where it's just like I, you're, you're really trying to double down on this type of mindset with them, but it doesn't, in my opinion, work very well in practice, which is a shame. Uh, I would say with my Baratheon Sentinel rule, I've only used it to charge twice, maybe three times. Uh, most time, it's just a maneuver I'm getting out of it.
0: Uh, to- and most of the time, when you use the charge, it's when me or whoever you're do- else you're doing it against just kind of forgets, and you know they get caught off guard with the with it.
1: Yeah, I I personally actually don't particularly care too much for the Sentinel rule. I kind of wish it would change to be more useful overall because it's also kind of one of those things where it's like, as soon as you lock me in combat, I, I don't do anything with it anymore. Um, it, it's it's a little clunky, again, with him. Uh, I do really like In His brother Shadow, though. I think that is a phenomenal card. Very toolbox-using, uh, can, can do a whole lot with it. The problem is, again, the, the rest of him seems to be very situational, very matchup-dependent, and pretty clunky on the whole. Uh, I've used him, I think, in Bastard Girls. Uh, I've tried him in stuff like Sentinels themselves to be like, okay, they're now a four-up, four-up. Uh, it, it, I feel like he hasn't found the unit yet that he matters for, that he's meant to actually kind of gel with very well.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I for the most part, I agree with pretty much all that. Um, my favorite card is... Uh, inexplicable return just the uh, as you've done before i think multiple times having your commander get killed especially from like an expert duelist and then being able to play this card and bring him back and now you have your commander again uh and you could have it be like on the opposite end of the field that the expert duelist was on and just start claiming those two uh, victory points a turn um is super super useful and very strong, in my opinion. Hidden Affairs, I agree. It it's it just seems clunky. I think uh, there might be some strategy there if like, you take Brienne the blue, and then if you're running Brienne next to Renly, and Renly next to Brienne, and either you attack Renly and uh, Brienne gets that free charge, or if they are like, oh, I'll just charge Brienne, and then you have this in your hand. But I don't know. I feel like that's going to be very situational, but it is something to look a little more into. Uh, and in his brother shadows, the I want to point out that even though it the long range shutting off a commander's abilities into the end of a round is super strong, but not to um, underestimate the power of a free maneuver or retreat action.
1: Yeah, um, I'll actually say that's the most it powerful no part of range. the
0: range yeah and it has no range, so yeah
1: I think your that's en- the most the enemy enemy activates,
0: yep, the enemy activates, let's say on your right side of the field, and your commander's all the way on the left side of the field, uh well, you maneuver, you are now in prime position to do something that you wouldn't have been before, and they have no say. They're already activated a unit on the other side of the field. So knowing you have this card is like a good uh, reason that you might want to deploy your commander opposite of their commander to give you that option. Because obviously if you free maneuver but you're too close to their commander, they could try to do some shenanigans and get you, uh, like charge you or whatever the case may be um but if you do like opposite of the board i mean they're not going to have a way to stop you cuz after they complete their commander's uh, activation um then uh then it's going to be your your turn to go and you're going to be you know 5 or so inches closer than you were before that uh, commander activated
1: well i've used it before personally with bastard girls and gone okay, your commander's on the opposite side of the field, I'm now going to do a free retreat, and guess what? My activation, I'm going to shoot and charge you again.
0: Yep. Or even if you're way too far uh, to begin with, to, and you weren't even in combat, let's say round two, a free six-inch maneuver, and then a, a two-inch shift, I mean, chances are you're now in easy charge range after that shot. Um to get in there and really, you know, especially if you went across from a more like, um, squishy unit, you know, I don't know. I'll just say, I'll just say cutthroats, but you know, just a squishy unit. And you know, that, that, uh, shooting charging is really going to decimate that unit. You know, this card could put you in that sneak position much in the way that, uh, um, what was it? Swift advance used to be able to do for you. So and obviously they thought Swift Advance was too strong of a card. Now you have basically Swift Advance with a little more uh criteria to it. But uh just something to keep in mind. Overall, I think he's a great commander. Uh it's really just the one hidden in affairs, but worst case it does have the ability to just get it out of your hand uh but his abilities himself stalwart's always amazing the boastrous charisma could be game changing um oh biggest thing we forgot to mention boastrous charisma Renly Brassian or let's say uh Loras's brother can never be expert duelist that's the biggest one there because expert I'm trying duelist to figure out is why, part... because there's oh no you know no, it's you not stopping abilities it's not an order yeah. Now if it was an order, I'm I'm sitting here thinking that it was an order. Yeah. I I think it was more of like a wish list because <laughs> it would be nice if uh, Expert Duelist was an order so you could only try it once per round like try sniping uh-huh. someone once per round. Yeah. But uh you know, Oh well, but still uh it could be game changing in the sense that you know, they could be like certain things could be relying like if you put Renly Baratheon in Stagnites knowing that your super tough to kill unit is now immune to orders, tax cards, and enemy uh, influences is a huge deal. So, cause a lot of things that uh, will like, let's say vulnerable, you will come in the way of orders, taxes, cards, or influences, or being able to shut off your abilities. Let's say uh, resilience, right? That's the, the name of the yeah. giant Thanks, Um Yeah, like how many commanders have a, okay, expend a token and then they uh, um, lose one ability or something. Well, Or can't use can't their ability, I believe.
1: Buy combat yep. attrition, no, combat something. It's a tactic yeah, card that you see for several <laughs> units
0: or for commanders. Exactly. So, um, if you are worried about a lot of that stuff, uh, Runley is your go-to, in my opinion. He has two strong cards to make sure he uh, can really put out a lot of damage or come back from the dead. Uh, and like I said, his one weak card, you can always ditch it to draw into something else. Uh, and then not to mention, you make your stag knights a 4-up with Resilience, 3-up Morale.
1: So, I think just it's a heavy points investment, and you, like I said, I feel like his his situation is to be aggressive because you have inexplicable return to bring him back if he dies.
0: But yeah, you just throw him into the fray, knowing that you have that return, and then just try to deal as much damage and then take as much down with you as you can, and then when they finally die, you return them into some warden sitting in the corner on an objective. Alright, so next up, we're going to talk about Elden Estermont, Lord of the Green Stone. He has order, mark target, start of a friendly turn, target one enemy, in line of sight and long range. They become vulnerable, loyalty-runly Baratheon, and hardened. Each time an enemy performs an attack on this unit, after rolling defense dice, this unit blocks plus one hit and an additional plus one hit for each of its destroyed ranks. First uh, card he has is one uh, hefty ransom. When a friendly attachment is destroyed, attach this card to one enemy unit in short range until the end of the game. When that unit is destroyed, gain one victory point. Or he has an ability of when an enemy attachment is destroyed, attach this card to one friendly unit in short range until the end of the game. While attached, that unit's melee attacks get plus one die and gain plus one morale to morale test rolls. Uh, he has martial superiority. When an enemy is performing melee attack before rolling attack dice, you may expend one vulnerable token from the attacker. If you do, this attack suffers minus one to hit, and the attacker suffers one hit for each miss. And then his last one is Battle Endurance. Start of a friendly turn. Target one friendly combat unit and attach this card to it until the end of the game. While attached, to this unit's melee attacks gain the following bonuses based on the game round. And they do stack. Uh, turn three or more may reroll any misses, four or more sundering, five or more, critical blow, and on turn six, uh plus two attack dice. And like I said, it does uh all stacks. So you will at turn six you'll have reroll roll, sundering, crit blow, and uh plus two attack dice. Overall, I think Elden is arguably the best commander. Um in in all of Baratheon, not just the Renly side, uh, you can make argument for uh, a different commander that which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but hardened, as Brett has said on multiple occasions, is probably arguably the best special rule in this entire game. It is. I mean, I I hate you know saying when something's way too good, but hardened, way too good. It's each time an enemy enemy performs an attack. From any side, front side, rear, it doesn't matter how many enemies are you know engaged with you. Uh, it, it's ranged or melee, and if you're down to last rank, you know blo- auto blocking three hits after rolling defense dice. Crazy good, like um, because they've reduced dice uh, on most units t- across all factions. And reduce the to hit um an average unit, so let's say uh sworn swords, you know anything that hits on fours with you know a seven like five four profile or even like a seven uh seven six five profile, they're never gonna kill this unit they're never gonna kill a unit with hardened. i me and Spencer had one game, I had bastards girls in the rear of Elden and some Stagnites. And I had Cutthroats in the flank, and I had Blackguard in the front. And by the end of the game, had we just kept going, because it was round six, but had we just kept going to to see the end result, his one unit would have killed all three of mine. Now I understand it's an eight-point investment with your commander, but no way should one ability allow an eight-point unit to take out what was it, uh, 12, um, uh, yeah, 12, 18, 18, it was 19 points plus my commander worth of units all around this one unit, and I couldn't kill it. Uh, hardened was just, especially Hardened combined with resilience, it's just nearly impossible to kill the thing unless you have all the perfect tools and you're, you know, you have a ton of, like, investment in it, and I think Hardened you know it's just way too good. I think so a lot of people complained when hardened was first revealed because it used to just be you get plus one uh you get you block one hit for every destroyed rank. there was no base one, so it was, at full ranks you had you didn't block any at second rank you blocked one and at last rank you blocked two. It seemed kind of weak. I think it was just barely okay back then, but back then at one point six. Things had a lot more dice. Things had way more ways to get more dice and more things hit on three plus. Now that you not only reduce attack dice across everything pretty much and reduce so many things uh, ability to hit on threes and now hit on fours and gave Harden the ability to auto block one initially, all that stacked together, it's it's super hard and frustrating to kill anything with Hardened uh, without investing something super strong. Um, and even then, it's it's going to die so slowly. If you have any way to heal them, it's, like I said, it's just going to be frustrating. And I know it may sound easy to just ignore, but these aren't just some snow vets with uh, just, like, weight of dice. You know, you, if you stick them in Stagnites, you know, as the rounds go on, they get all these abilities. He has marked target to constantly make you vulnerable. Um, You know, there's... uh, There's just too much to make them too offensive to ignore. Now, snow vets, you know, they weren't offensive enough uh, that you couldn't ignore them. You know, usually you could just ignore them, tie them up with something small. Stagnites, you can't do that. You... I mean... There's really no way to do that. You'd have to find some cheap, super defensive unit, and not every faction has that. And I would say you would, and even the factions that have that, you're not always guaranteed to be able to get them in their face because normally they're too slow. The stagnites will be able to get around them, get, you know, just avoid them, and then go where they need to go anyways. So saying to just tie them up is way easier said than done. Um, but like i said uh he is arguably the best commander that uh, Baratheons have for i would almost even say the sole reason of hardened um that's not even to mention his uh taxes cards, which i will uh i'll let uh you sp- after you know going on a rant there i'll let uh you kind of finish off with uh what your thoughts on him and his taxes cards are,
1: so I don't think it's arguable I think he is the best commander um he is my favorite but i do pretty sure i know who you're gonna say is the other one that could be um but he is my favorite um first thing i gotta do though real quick is a correction in that game scenario you were talking about i didn't have him in Stag Nights. that was just in sentinels um yeah oh he, yeah
2: he, he's
1: evil in anything pretty much he will take anything and make it where you can't kill it you weren't even doing enough hits to do a damage through to make me take a panic test with your yep. Vicious. I just That's I the didn't most frustrating <laughs> part. Yeah, because you knew if you could you get know, through, you could kill me just with a Vicious.
0: But And I'd get like were... one hit through sometimes, and you'd go, okay, I need one 4-up save. Okay, 4-up. Okay, no panic test. Alright,
1: awesome. Yep. that's all I would do. And your, even your Bastard Girls, it often came down to, a, all I need is one 6, <laughs> and I auto-block the rest. And it kept happening. Um... Yeah, no, he would. I've never run him in Stagnite because I know it would be insane for my opponent to try and deal with. Um, yeah, it, it would be a problem. However, I'm going to go to his tactic cards now because I think we've ranted about him enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think he is the best. Uh, like he said, Harden and Mark Target are just really good anyway. Uh, I really like the fun that I can get from uh that i have with hefty ransom though uh i've never gotten it for the plus one victory point it's always been my opponent i kill uh an attachment and i give that unit but i'm like yay my unit now has decent morale probably and has decent attack dice so <laughs> i always get happy when i do it because it's nice i feel like it's an achievement is it a great card not really but it is fun when you have it and you kill an attachment um However, his other two cards are amazing. Both of them. Martial Superiority, anyone who plays around with uh, Roderick Cassell for Starks, you know this is an amazing card. It's counterattack, or it's basically Agile and Counter-Strike at the same time. And it stacks with Counter-Strike. So if you're attacking a Warden unit and I use this, you are now minus one and you'll take two hits for every miss. Oh, it can get so good. Um,
0: yep. I and, think my, and you have an I think abundance, my best so, so
1: far is I've done 12 hits to a guy who attacked me, and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, and, it, and you have to be expend so a
0: vulnerable, but Brathians have an abundance of being able to get vulnerables out there.
1: Yeah, and obviously he has more targets, so I can spread him around if I want to. Um, yeah, no, it is such a good card. Uh, Battle Endurance is amazing. I just enjoy it. I find it so fun so enjoyable uh i do not understand i'm going to give it a quick comparison i i don't like how for some reason some factions have the same name card but do different stuff uh i kind of wish simon would clear that up across the board of if this is the name of the card they all do the exact same thing because uh battle endurance for gray worm and the targaryens works on ranged and melee whereas mine only works on melee I don't care how you do it if you wanted to just do it as melee or just as uh, range and melee. It does bother me, though, when you see across factions where it's like, um, this is the exact same name card and does the exact same thing, but it has one little tweak that's different. And it's like, why? Why is this different than the other card? Um, and the
0: tweak's not even necessary. Like, Outriders with Battle Endurance gets a little... I don't know, uh, lack of a better word, stupid. Uh, I encountered a double Outrider with Battle Endurance on each, and it was just really stupid.
1: <laughs> it, it does. I think it should be melee is what it should be, but I'm just saying if, and it's this way with multiple cards all across factions where it's like, why is this the same name, but something different? Rant over. Anyway, it's a very good card. I love it. Uh, I actually love it because it, in my opinion, Rose Knight's the biggest weakness is they get ignored because you're like, why would I attack that when it's just going to heal and attack me back or hurt me back? This, but you can ignore it, and sag, or, uh, Rose Knights normally won't do much damage. This card makes them do damage. Now my opponent really can't afford to ignore them once turn three and four hit. Uh, they now have to start worrying about, do I need to start focusing on killing that unit too? Uh, otherwise, it might start pushing through my units. Um I find it just very useful for them. Uh I believe I have put it on even Wardens and just watched Wardens power up and actually be somewhat of a threat in, in melee. Uh rerollable four-ups with Sundering is not, you know, not terrible either. Um yep. It's it's a very good all-around card that can power up stuff and that's something in my opinion the Barathians needed. Is they needed another card besides ours of the Fury? to power up their offense, and this card does it. So he comes with arguably the best commander field commander abilities in Harden and Mark Target. He has an amazing defensive card in Martial Superiority, a great offensive boost card in Battle Endurance, and then, in my opinion, a fun card with, with a Hefty Ransom. So it makes him the best commander, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I think... Uh... He's arguably one of the clear choices for any tournament or competitive list. Um, he just—he's such a hard, you know, commander to move off of just about any unit you put him in. Um, next up, uh, we're going to talk about Courtney Penrose. He is um, the other commander I would say you could argue is uh, the best for the faction. He comes with bookkeeping as long as he's alive or on the battlefield, I should say. Increase your tactics hand size uh, by one. You start the game with four cards and may drop the four cards when refilling your hand. He has Orders of the Crown. Each time a friendly NCU claims the crown, you may replace that zone's effect with Courtney Penrose's unit performs one maneuver or march action. He has the Loyalty Runley Baratheon. And then let me find his cards real quick. For some reason, they're at the opposite end of the... All the images I have here. All right. His first one is issue commands. When your commander's unit activates, instead of this unit performing an action this turn, target one friendly unit in long range. It performs one attack or charge action. Or start of any turn, target one friendly combat unit, remove one order token from that unit. They may use that order again this round. Next one is surprise strategy. Start of a friendly turn, discard this card, and one card... To return one card from your discard pile to your hand, or if you control the mail, you may discard only this card. And then his last card is Counterplot. As we all know, it's uh, um, on a 3-up, cancel the effect of your opponent's tax card. If you control the crown, you can re-roll the dice. So, whereas Eldon's going to give you that super like in your face offensive slash defensive commander courtney is going to give you that nice uh, control uh, ability you know he's going to let you have four cards at all times uh, a six card hand at max and then he has uh, you can put him in something simple like wardens that's really defensive to sit on an objective for those points he has the issue command so you sit on that objective and then you let something bigger uh, attack again um, or even if you have uh, bastard scrolls and/or uh, for to use their order twice that round, or uh, if you have some stag and they're really getting you know teamed up on, you can uh, turn their resilience back on for that second attack they're about to get hit by uh, the surprise strategy to go get the counterplot or uh, issue commands again or any of the other cards in your deck. Uh, or in, I should say in your discard pile, um, to just use the same card potentially four times in a single game. Um, so uh, his Orders to, uh, orders of the Crown um, is definitely very useful, as we kind of talked about with his attachment. Uh, you could definitely make something super fast uh, that you put him in. The problem is you want him to stay alive so you have that bigger hand size um, and he doesn't really add any offense or defense to the unit he goes in. So making something super fast is not very great because it's your commander. You're usually just wanting him to sit back and just kinda of relax. Uh and the orders of the crown can only be used on him. Um so maybe late game if you're like, Okay, uh I'm gonna shoot across the board and try to capture a different objective or something. That's an option, but uh, more often than that, I don't think you're really going to see Orders of the Crown really used because it's your commander. Whereas on the attachment version, even though it's a two-point attachment, uh, I think you'd see that a lot more often um, on them. Um, I mean, you could always, uh, you know, use the Orders of the Crown to get him where he needs to go on the turns in which you're going to use Issue Commands. Uh, since he won't be able to activate normally. Uh, so that's always uh, you know an idea. Uh, Spencer, what do you think?
1: All right, so Courtney definitely is, in my opinion, the number two. Uh, I've used him only a handful of times because I, I, I can see the power that he can actually bring to the Baratheons. Um, you were just touching on the tactics I've used with him, where turn one, I use the Orders of the Crown to move faster. Uh, I will point out, I don't think I've tried him in anything but Wardens. I just want a cheap, durable unit for him to be in, like you said. I just want him to stick around, probably sit on an objective. if It's an objective mission, and score me the extra points. But, yeah, I've used that order of the crown turn one to march and then march again, and now I'm definitively on whatever objective I wanted to be on that I put him across from. Uh, I will say in kind of the one competitive time I played with him, I run double stag nights and he, because of surprise strategy, I use issue commands four times to make a stag night attack. Um, yeah, sorry guys. Um, it, it's, it can be really nasty, um, making stag nights attack over and over and over again. Um, because he has that combo of surprise strategy to repull it back out. Uh, yeah, I, he, he's really good. He really is. Uh, the four card hand, don't undervalue that. It is nice to have a four card hand at all times. Um, it, and let's be honest, he's kind of one of the only ones that brings control to the Baratheons, being able to control the flow of the battle. Uh, counterplot to be like, okay, I know you have an assault orders in your army. I can hold on to this counterplot just for that or something. Um Really mess with what your opponent wants to do if you can see what's coming and you have the counterplot. Uh, issue commands just to give more attacks to your most deadly units. If you're chewing through your enemy's units with stag knights, they don't really have much to come after Courtney anyway. Um, the the game I played, I kept one stag knight right next to him, so it's like if, if fighting anything that got close to to him while he sat on, on an objective, and the other one went off and got, fought on its own because I didn't need it anymore. Um, it's He's very good. I uh, I do see him and Eldon as kind of the one-two for a list-making for competitive play. Uh, that's at least how I view it. Um, yeah, he he brings what you want. He, he brings something that really very few... Uh, I will say there's one other that... or two others that kind of bring it. The control aspect that you know, Baratheon's kind of lack, uh, but I I think he's the better of the options. So yeah, he's my number two.
2: Yeah.
0: And I would agree. Um, If I'm bringing Baratheon's to like a major tournament where I want to bring the best of the best, I'd probably run that combo them, right? Both of them. I might consider dropping one of the two, for like a Stannis side, if I felt I needed some of the Stan, like uh, the loyalty Stannis units, but personally, it would only because of wanting the units. Uh, I don't think I would drop either of them solely to have a Stannis commander. Unfortunately, I absolutely love the Stannis side way better than I like the Renly, as far as like the characters themselves and you know their the idea behind their, their sub-faction. Um, next up, we'll uh, we'll jump into the Stannis commanders. Uh, first one we'll talk about is Axel Florent, first of the Queen's men. He has the affiliation R'hllor. Uh He gives intimidating presence, so minus one to morale test and plus one wound from failing panic tests to any enemy engaged with this unit. He uh, gives stalwart to his unit, and he has the loyalty Stannis Baratheon. His first card is Fury Charge. When a friendly unit is providing a charge action before resolving that action, that unit becomes vulnerable but automatically counts as rolling a 6 on all charge distance dice and any enemies they successfully charge become panicked. Next is Relor's Wrath. When a friendly MCU claims a zone, replace that zone's effect with target one enemy combat unit, they suffer one panic test with minus one to the roll for each enemy Relor unit in short range. On a failure, in addition to suffering wounds, they also become vulnerable and weakened. Uh, and Fury Resolve. When a friendly unit is performing a panic test before rolling that dice, if this target's a Relor unit, This unit suffers three wounds if they fail the panic test. If this unit passes this test, the target one enemy they are engaged with. For each wound this unit would have suffered from failing this panic test, that enemy suffers one wound. Um, His his attachment, awesome. I think uh, just the amount of um, morale uh, manipulation that he gives... to his unit and to anyone he's attacking or I should say engaged with is amazing. Uh, The affiliation relore isn't something you can easily hand out anymore. Um, That's always nice to have that in his own unit. Um, One uh, unit I absolutely love uh, him in is uh, Bolton uh, Blackguard, you know, making them a a three-up save, four-up morale, and giving them that intimidating presence for their... Uh, heroic or heroic horrific visage uh is awesome um you know there's definitely some other great combos for him as well but uh overall his uh his attachment version awesome his cards i don't know uh they seem they seem really cool like the the idea behind them is really cool it's just in practice they just don't seem to work uh the way um, I don't know, that they they seem they should. The Fury Charge, um, you become vulnerable and automatic roll a 6. But it says enemy any enemies they successfully charge become panicked. Um, I guess, you know, because obviously it's successful. Otherwise, because, I mean, you get an auto 6. But, I don't know, maybe they just had to word it that way just because. Um I would have loved to have seen a uh, um, a little criteria in there that if it's a rule or unit, uh, they don't become vulnerable. Much in the way that uh, um, Victorian for Grey Joyce has the uh, that little uh, um, caveat that if it's Victorian's unit, I mean, you could even make it a little less uh, general and just say Axel's unit uh, doesn't become vulnerable. Um, just some little caveat that allows you to prevent that vulnerable much in the way that Victorian does. I think um, uh, what's-his-face from Free Folk also has uh, the ability to auto-six. ha Yeah, Torment. I think he has a way to ignore it as well. Um, That's because
1: you're talking about a different card that will come to actually with Andrew. They all have Rush of Aggression.
0: Oh, okay. So, yeah, I suppose it is a different name, but it's in theory like the same thing. I guess you do get a panicked out of this one. Um, So maybe that's why there's no caveat. So I'm just kind uh, of thinking
1: out loud. I'm also just thinking because Andrew actually has Rush of Aggression. He has that exact car. Um, Yeah. So they didn't want to give the exact thing. They didn't want to
0: double up with the same. Yeah, especially because they're both Stannis loyalty so maybe that's why so uh the more i talk about it the more you know i think this is his best card um as is i don't think like it's not bad by any means i think it's amazing and auto six even if you become vulnerable is still amazing um and then uh wrath um this one uh again i think it's uh i think it's fine especially if you have that intimidating presence with uh, axle. And then if you have like two or three relore nearby, uh, you could easily make the panic so hard to pass. And then now they are not only taking a panic test, so suffering, you know, D3 plus possibly one, now they're also become vulnerable and weakened. So, um, uh, you do have to replace a zone for it but you want the crown, so you could always just take that crown and replace it with this, and just make it like a souped-up crown zone. Um, But I think that would be the key one, because replacing some of the other uh, zones, um, it it would hurt me a little to have to replace them to play this card. (laughs) Uh, And then Fury Resolve. um, This one... Again, it really comes down to if you have Reward Faithful. Uh, they're the only ones you really want to play this card on because you have to suffer a panic test. Uh, and you suffer three wounds if you fail it. So if you throw it on your Kingsman or Queensman, or no, it has to be a target a Reward unit, but if you do your Queensman, uh, you have to take it on a 6-up. You fail that. You take D, you take three wounds. You don't even have to roll the D3, and now it does nothing. Um, uh, I don't know. It'd be cool if it was like, if this is targets a R'hllor unit, give plus two to the... test. I don't know. Something. It's just kind of uh, feels bad that... Uh, and we'll get into the next commander about it, which this kind of touches on, uh, which is uh, Stannis. Um, is that They require the Stannis side of things, especially with like Mel, um, requires everything to pretty much be panic test based. Uh, Same with the the Red Priestess. Whereas pretty much every other faction that has like a like the same mechanic, let's say like uh, the uh, the Faith in Lannisters, it's all morale tests. Uh, I think there should be much better rewards if you're going to make everything be panic-based. Whereas I would argue that the rewards for these cards are just as good as a lot of the rewards for, um, let's say, High Sparrow's cards. While High Sparrow actually even has, if you fail, that you still get an effect. So not only is there no risk in taking damage because it's a morale test, you still get an effect if you fail. Whereas this, and as we'll talk about with Stannis, it's you so there's high risk normal reward i wouldn't say low reward but i would say high risk depending on who you used on especially if you don't have any faithful left or if you just can't risk it even if it is four up if like if you're faithful or down to like last rank you can't really afford to take that risk um so i don't know uh spencer what do you think of axel here
1: So, with Axel, I really want to like him. Uh, like you said, his Field Commander is actually really nice. It, uh, it, it is a nice combo, and it really kind of fits the lore. what they're trying to do with R'hllor. Um I, I think one problem is, again, his cards seem all over the place. They're not very well focused. Um, the The Fiery Charge... I'm okay with that. Uh, I I have no issues with it. Auto six charge for a tactics card is always going to be value. You're always going to get, you know, good stuff out of that. I'm not too worried about it. I'm even okay with the vulnerable. Uh, I'm getting a panic out of it as well to try and push damage. Uh, I'm okay with this. Um, My problem comes into Relor's Wrath and to Fiery Resolve. Um, I find both these cards very clunky. Very odd. Don't really fit what you really want to do. Um, my problem with Relore's Wrath is I feel like this card was actually meant to be similar to, like, Hear Me Roar, where this is, should have been something like, when your opponent, is an uh, uh, enemy unit, is taking a panic test, play this card. They suffer an additional minus one for every Relore. So it's still, because the problem is, I go, it's hard to get more than about two relore within short. It it, brassians have to spread out a little bit, and they don't have number of units to to kind of make up for it. They're not free folks. They're not Greyjoy. They can't have a bunch of units nearby. Um, So it's usually only one or two units that are even in short. Uh, I I feel like it needed to be some the the when opponent takes a panic test rather than replace a zone to do this. Um, I also look at it when comparing it to that type of stuff. I go instead of doing extra wounds like hear me roar or there's too many, I would be doing a Panic or a Vulnerable and a weekend instead. Um, I, I feel like that's what this card needed to be, and it's not. That being said, I do think how you can use it is uh, maybe to try and go all out with Panic and be like, okay, like you said, maybe you can replace the Crown if you want to try and do it that route, or even just take a different zone if you're not planning on taking the crown this round and just replace a different zone with it. Uh, you can still use it. Uh, it is probably best to use it on Axel's unit uh, unit engaged with Axel to begin with to get an additional minus one. Um, it's situational, and uh, it's not, not my favorite card with how it was designed, but it is what it is. Um, Fire Resolves, so I look at this and I go, it's basically a super stubborn tenacity. I pass a panic test, you take extra wounds back than just the one. Um, I'm, I'm good with that. My problem is I have to do it before I even do the roll. I almost feel like it should have just been a flat three, you know, if you're a lower unit. But it's after I pass the panic test so that I know I'm getting the value out of this. Uh, I look at and I just go, there are cards like lash out in the game that could do four auto wounds back to to your opponent. This doing a flat three is not crazy. It's not even skimming off a rank. Um, I I just, I really wish I could see the panic test, but I would also say it needs to have a maximum. Uh, If I were to go high risk, high reward, if you're using Lannister Supremacy on me and I pass it after having played this card, my opponent is taking six wounds back. That is not good for anybody. Either I'm taking six wounds or my opponent is taking six wounds. Um, that's a big game swing right there one way or the other. Uh, I just, I, I really wish they had more consistent by making it after the test, but a maximum of three wounds to make it just, Hey, here's a tactics card. That's a super stubborn tenacity. Cause as you said, right now I look at this unit and I go, Because it's before the panic test, it basically has to go to faithful. It's the only reliable unit that I can actually trust to pass the panic test. Or Axel's unit, obviously with Stallworth, that pretty much evens it back out. Um, But it's it's a clunky card that's not easy to use because of these restrictions. So I I guess how I'll wrap it up is I'll say I, I think he's he's an interesting commander I would like to see his cards maybe tweak to, to work better together a little better but he he he's one I like to try out. He's one I like to mess around with and try and make work because I think he's he's got the potential it's just it doesn't click unless you're in the right circumstances
2: Yeah
0: and even like his best card, in my opinion, the Fury Charge, you know, having that auto six is always pretty cool, like if you, um, you know, you have your Sentinel, and you use your Sentinel order from, you know, 11 inches away, uh, is always something that your opponent is, um, I'm assuming never expecting, you know, that's such a long charge, and they have a long, long range for their Sentinel trigger, so, um, but yeah, Rulers' Wrath and Fire Resolve, uh both they're right there. There's just I feel like they're just missing a little something. Um all right, next up we'll talk about uh Stannis, uh the one true king. He uh also gives the affiliation reward. He gives Dauntless, which is uh, interesting that they double up. Uh, you know that he has Dauntless, and so does Loris So each time this unit passes morale test, restores one wound. He has Iron Resolve, giving plus one to panic test rolls and so minus one uh, wound from failing panic tests. And obviously he has loyalty, Stannis Baratheon. Um, his first uh, card is in Rulor's name. When a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack gains one of the following. If this targets Rulor's unit or if it targets a R'oleur unit, gain both. Critical Blow, Sundering. After completing this attack, if the defender was not destroyed, the attacker suffers one panic test with minus two to their roll. Uh, Test of Faith is the second card. Start of any turn, target one friendly R'oleur unit. That unit suffers one panic test. Attach this card to that unit. Remove this card after an enemy completes an attack on this unit. While attached, this unit gains plus one to defense dice rolls. And Azor Ahai, Uh when a friendly unit is performing a panic test after rolling dice, that unit can only suffer a maximum of one wound if they fail this test. If this targets a ruler unit, it passes this test instead, and all enemies engaged with it become panicked. All right, so uh, I want to absolutely love this commander, uh, especially because, like I said, I'm super into the Stannis side. This uh, Stannis pose uh, for the sculpt, way cooler than the starter box one. Um, but I just I can't get behind these taxes cards. Um, I think of all the commanders, in my opinion, this is the weakest commander. Um, uh, he, even though his abilities on his attachment are super good i would even still say that with how good the other ones are that he is somehow still the weakest even with having dauntless and iron resolve but that's that part's just in my opinion um that's not to say his attachment is bad i think it's still great i think it's uh, that just kind of goes to show that all the baratheon uh, commander attachment abilities are awesome I don't think I have a single problem with any of them. I think it just comes down to the tax cards in some of their cases. And in this one, it's uh, in R'hllor's name. This card really shouldn't have a downside. After completing this attack, the Defender was not destroyed. They suffer a panic with my suit to the roll. And now, I guess let's put it this way. If all of the R'hllor units had a Faith mechanic the way the Faithful do, where they would get Faith tokens then i could see how all these panic tests would pay off but the fact that faithful the only thing that actually do that this uh this panic test at the end is only a downside unless you're playing this card on faithful um but you look at other factions and you know you would have the same exact card uh but without a downside, for example, like Free Folk, where they get to choose three different options, uh, and plus one, you choose one and they get plus one, uh, for every other enemy engaged or something like that. Um, I'll look it up right now, but, um, that's the overwhelming assault for each friendly unit engaged with the defender choose one uh critical blow, thundering and rerolling attack dice now I know you know that's cross faction, but I'm just as there's plenty of other examples of basically this exact card uh but without a downside so I just find it weird that this card has a downside, especially when you only have two options and when, you know, the only way to trigger both options is to have a ruler. Now granted, you're gonna probably have a handful of ruler in usually the ruler theme because uh you know, faithful are awesome, Lightbringers are awesome, whatever you put Stannis in is probably gonna be fairly fairly awesome to really awesome. Um But still, I just don't think this card needs a downside unless you were to give more faith mechanic uh, effects so that way this quote-unquote downside to the card could actually turn out to be an upside. Um, Test of faith. Uh, This card, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this one, really. The fact that it only applies to one attack and it's only plus one defense... Um, it just seems odd when, you know, we'll say, uh, is it Bulwark? Uh, what's the, Spencer, what's the name of the one that Donald Noy gives? I think you're muted. Sorry. You still there? Uh,
1: yeah, sorry. Uh, I believe it is defensive formation.
0: Oh, okay. Is the so name that of one it? is, um... You know, just so it for clarity, I'm going to pull it up. And again, I know this is taking another uh, a card from another faction and comparing it, but it's not that it has to be as good as the Night's Watch one, or that it has to be similar. It's just, it's like, in my opinion, it's a night and day. So, defensive formation, start of any turn, attach this card to a friendly combat unit until the start of their next activation. While attached, you cannot perform attacker charge actions, but it gains plus one defense dice rolls, and attackers do not gain charge, flank, or rear bonuses against it. So, as uh, Brett has brought up in the Three Sales uh, um, uh, podcast or YouTube video, is that, you know, you just, you activate him onto an objective early, uh in the in let's say round 2. Now for all of round 2, you have plus 1 defense and no bonus charge flank or rear bonuses. And then you just choose to activate him last in round 3. So now essentially for 90% or more of round 3, you also have this effect, test of faith. I know you can still perform actions and stuff, but it literally is only if you uh pass this panic test on a rule unit and then it only applies for one attack and it's the next attack so you could literally charge in some your cheap uh whatever five point unit and attack real quick and then charge in with your big thing and now this card that you had to pass a panic test for and then especially if it's a real feels bad and you fail that panic test, you take damage instead of even getting the defense and it doesn't even attach. I, I don't know. Uh, it, I, it does attach car, automatically now. What do you mean? The,
1: the card always attaches whether or not you fail the panic or not.
0: Oh yeah, I suppose so. Um, so it's like, I am so getting that it, but a-
1: I might take damage and that's a feel bad. I took damage just to gain plus one armor.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that is a slight upside to that, but overall, I don't know. I think this, the idea behind this card is awesome. I think, uh, you know, plus one defense, uh, I understand that, um, you know, making Queensmen plus one defense for a whole round for a two up armor save could get a little ridiculous, but in that same, on that same note, um, I mean you have stag, uh, champions of the stag for one point more than Queensmen and there are two up save. So uh I don't know. I think this card could be reworked somehow to to just kinda give it a boost while keeping it along the same the same you know, lines. And then uh to kind of quickly talk about Azora High. I like this card. Uh, I really don't think I have a problem with this card. I think it works uh really good. I think uh, the fact that it's any panic test then also means you could use it with test of faith um, uh, to ensure that uh, you don't take damage, or you only take one. It would seem kind of like a waste unless you just wanted to get it out of your hand and then trigger to get those panic tokens. But, um, yeah, Uh, Spencer, what do you think of Stannis here?
1: So, I find it funny that actually both Stannises have an ability that uh, doubles up with another commander. Uh, even the Rightful Heir has marked targets just like Elden. <laughs> so both oh, yeah. Stannises copy, some, or uh, well not copy, but have a, a shared ability with another commander for the Baratheon. Um, I actually, quick tangent, since we're not going to talk about them. Rightful Heir I actually think should be threatened anyway. That's just my opinion. Uh, I feel like it would fit him better, and uh, he doesn't care about Vulnerables like Elden does, so it kind of makes more sense to me to change him up. That's just a personal gripe, though. Um, back to the Stannis. Like you kind of said, I really want to like him. Uh, Iron Resolve and Dauntless are really cool ability combo of abilities. Uh, making a unit R'hllor. Uh His cards are where the problem comes in. Uh, uh, attack one, I'm sorry, I'm going to pull it up. I haven't pulled it up. Uh, what was it in Rallor's uh, name? The attacking card? Yeah. Yeah, so in Rallor's name, like you were kind of saying it, like if you're using on a Rallor unit, okay, Critical Blow and Sundry. But most attacks aren't going to kill an enemy, so you're probably going to take a panic test at minus two. And as you pointed out, Faithful are the obvious choice of, yeah, I want Faithful taking my panic test at even a minus two. I would actually say even Stannis' unit would be good, because you could be like, all right, I got Critical Blow of Thundering, and if I pass this panic test, I healed one as well. It's, it's a nice little combo you could do. Um, but it does feel a little, I want to say, lackluster. Uh, I even would just compare this card to, say, High Sparrow's Wrath of the Warrior. Uh, they pass a morale test and they get plus one to hit in thundering. Uh that's better than critical blow, uh, in sundering. Um plus one to hit is really good. Uh
0: and if, they still get something
1: if they fail. Plus if one If they fail, hit, I, I think believe. it's plus one auto hit. But Oh Yeah. Gotcha. And it's a morale test, so it can't even hurt them. Um <laughs> So uh, yeah, I I just, I look at it and I go, I feel like it because I'm taking a panic test instead of a morale test, I feel like I should be getting more out of my ability. Uh, I kind of wish maybe there was a third option, something else that would be enticing maybe. Uh, But as is, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, It is nice to use with Faithful when you're going to use their Faithful ability. And you go, I have Critical Blow, Sundering, Vicious, and Precision. Uh, the problem is, they only hit on four. So, it's like, even if I made the charge, and I'm using this card, it's like, well, I might only get six hits with one precision hit, or maybe two. Um, it's just, it's not as devastating unless the unit you're attacking was already weak. Uh, it can be a nice finisher, uh, if you get it late game, though, and it does kind of give you a second attack option, in my opinion, with Rs of the Fury. Uh so then I'll move on to Test of Faith. Again, I would even compare to the High Sparrow, what is it, uh, Protection of the Father. That's a morale test to have re-roll defense dice. That is better than plus one defense most of the time. And and it's if you fail the morale test, it's auto-block one hit. This, I have to target a relore unit. It has to suffer a panic test just for it to attach and attach only for one attack. That's not very good value. Um, there's ways you can use it. I mean, I have used it on uh, Stannis Aiden, in Sentinels and been like, okay, I have a three-up armor now with Stannis' uh, Iron Resolve and Dauntless. Next time you attack me, I probably am going to somewhat negate it anyway, your attack, just by not taking much damage, then healing one if I pass my panic. Um, it is okay on Faithful, giving them a four-up armor but a lot of things in the game right now have sundering, so you're just going right back to a 5-up, which is just eh for an armor. Um, <laughs> it, it doesn't have great targets because it has to go relore. Uh Like you said, it can go to a Queensman to make them a 2-up, but is that crazy? And they're only a 6-up morale to begin with, let alone if my opponent has anything to, to make it worse or a Corpse File. Uh, it, it's not a good design card, in my opinion uh I don't mind that they were trying to go with a defensive aspect, but it it just in my opinion it's not working in practice uh and then Azora high is phenomenal that that is an a card uh it's great when your opponent uses extra resources like there's too many or a Lannister pay, or uh hear me roar and you're just like, Oh, I failed, Azora high auto pass, thank you. I'm glad you used the resource too. <laughs> um, it, it can be, <laughs> yep. it can be really nice, or a Lannister supremacy, or anything like that, where it's just like, oh, this is gonna really hurt. Oh, I got this card in my hand. I didn't really care. Um, and it's as far as I know, I believe it's the only thing Baratheons have for passing a pan- to help you pass a panic test. So those Lannisters, Free Folk, even Greyjoys that are trying to do crazy panic stuff this is protection for it, which is exactly what your army needs. Uh, Like I said, I want to like him. I think there's some interesting things you can do with him. I just don't think they work in practice for like a competitive play.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Alright, so moving on. uh, Next up, we have Davos Seaworth, Hero of Blackwater. He has the Loyalty Stannis Baratheon. He gives Pathfinder, so this unit ignores dangerous, hindering, and rough keywords, and Outflank. You may hold this unit off the table in reserve instead of deploying them. When a friendly NCU claims the maneuver, you may replace that zone's effect with Deploy one unit from reserve fully within short range of any flank table edge. His first of four cards is Flea Bottom Tricks. After an enemy completes a melee attack, target one friendly combat unit other than the defender. They perform one maneuver action. If this targets Davos' unit, it may pivot, then perform one march action instead. Uh, this deck's card is called Everything. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> um, it's called Everything It's start of any turn. Target one friendly infantry unit that unit suffers up to 3 wounds, then target one other friendly infantry unit and restore that many wounds to that unit. If they do not have an attachment, as one of their restored wounds, you may attach one previously destroyed friendly infantry attachment to that unit. He then uh, his third card is fealty to the crown. When an enemy fails a panic test, target one friendly unit in long range for each wound they that enemy suffered from this test, restore one wound to that uh, to that friendly unit up to three and if you control the crown restore plus one wound to a max of four and then his last card is parlay when a friendly unit activates that unit cannot perform actions this turn then uh, or target one enemy in short range it activates but does not perform any actions if this is Davos's unit you may have both units restore two wounds um, Overall I, I really like Davos. I don't think he's some crazy strong uh commander, but I don't there's very little uh I'd uh have a problem with and by problem I don't think it's like I guess that's maybe not the best word to use for it. But um one important thing to note I think with Davos is he's the only way in the game, at least I know of, that can outflank Bastards girls. Um Everything that has outflank is a unit, or uh, let's say like the Reaver uh, or the Greyjoy um, uh, can only be put in Greyjoy units. So Davos, uh, I think, is a prime target. You put him in some Bastard Skrulls, you outflank them your opponent really has no option but to turn around. You just, you cannot take a shot and then charge in the rear from a Bastard's Girls. Unless, of course, you have Hardened, but, you know. (laughs) Uh, And Flea Bottom Tricks, uh, awesome card. Um, Everything. Uh, I really like this card as well. Um, It's, you know, just transferring wounds, which is always nice. Uh, And you can... uh, was it uh, attached one previously destroyed friendly infantry attachment? So, again, you could, uh, if I'm not mistaken, if your Davos dies, you could then bring him back into the game. Um, and uh, let's see, Parlay, Parlay is amazing. Um, another key combo, um, you know, you run... Davos and some bastards girls to outflank into the rear of something, and then you uh, you run a, a noble, a uh, Dragonstone noble uh, solo attachment, or not attachment, but solo uh, combat unit. And, uh, you know, because when a friendly unit activates key, uh, triggers uh, at the same time as your free maneuver triggers, you can free maneuver four inches up and then use this card to have your four-point, uh Dragonstone Noble parlay like their best unit especially if you can get two parlays you could have two of uh six rounds where your opponent's key unit can't do anything especially let's say you wait until i don't know turn 4 now turn 4 and 5 key pivotal turns and your opponent's main unit can't do anything, and all you're sacrificing is your dragonstone noble to do that. Obviously, you'll have to be a little more crafty than that you know you don't you don't want your noble to be in a position to get charged and just die, but um if you play it just right, you could really make that combo be amazing and then the last one overall, I like fealty to the crown. I think it's a great card. I just feel like it's out of place for Davos in the sense that um. This is wanting you to fail panic test, uh, or your opponent to fail one. Usually, that implies that you want relore in the panic stuff, like you want the vicious and th- you know the things that are going to make sure that you fail, and the abilities that will possibly increase the wounds they take to ensure that you can hopefully get you know the most heal out of this card. But Davos does not like R'lore. Uh Davos hates. Uh, the red woman or the you know the he hates like that whole side of things so it just seems out of place that this card wants you to have like the ruler stuff so but otherwise i think this card i love fealty to the crown especially at the way that they revamped the wording so i guess my gripe is only to really to do with the thematic part of it i just feel like it seems out of place um spent has you think of davos
1: so, I actually have a different gripe, and that is his actual field commander. Uh, if I don't outflank, all I'm getting out of him is Pathfinder. Not that Pathfinder's bad. That's pretty weak, though, for a commander if I don't outflank. <laughs> um, and outflank, I think, is situational, even with bastard girls. Like, you have to kind of look at the field and go, is my opponent literally just going to turn and murder my bastard girls? Because um, they could. Uh I want to point out, Parlay does not shut down everything. It is literally just an activation token, so they st- that unit can still do free actions and such. Um, yeah. So I mean, you still got to be careful. I mean, if they have issue commands, they might just be like, "Well, screw it. Then I'll give it a free action with that." Um, so I, th- there's and obviously things like the free attack off of the, the tactics board could still do that too. Um, so. I want to like him. I have a gripe with his commander. I feel like that's too weak that if I do not outflank, all I gained was Pathfinder. Um, I feel like he needs a small buff to go with his commander to make it where it's not all really incentivizing me to have to use or feel like I need to use the outflank to benefit from him. Um, It is nice. He is the only thing that can do the Bastard Girls that I know of. Uh, And Bastard Girls do kind of fit because they help with the Fealty Crown. Uh, again, I want to like him. I just, I feel like he's a little weak in that, specifically because his commander ability is not that good. Uh, yeah, um, his cards, everything is nice. When you can return him after he dies, you can play aggressive with him, and I feel like that's kind of what they wanted you to do, is be aggressive with him. Uh, I felt the same way, though. Field to the crown doesn't really fit thematically. Uh, not not for him, at least. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, everything is basically supply aid only with the attachment bonus, so okay. Um, since his attachment does it, and it kind of fits. Uh, losing Final Strike to get the Flea Bottom tricks. It's complicated. There's times when Final Strike can be critical to you being able to come back or win the game. Uh, however, it, getting basically Diversion Tactics is also really good, too, so I, I won't complain there. Uh, I find it kind of a lateral switch. I gain, a, a, in my opinion, a, a more usable card or a less situational card with the Flea Bottom Tricks, but at the cost of one of my power cards with Final Strike. Um, I want to like him. Uh, I really do. Uh, I even would sacrifice for his Parlay. I would sacrifice even like a warden unit to shut down one of my opponents, you know, put an activation on one of my opponent's best units. Uh, that's good value still. Um, yeah, I want to like him. I don't think he works very well in practice though, but I wish he did.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with, you know, the fact that, uh, um, you know, taking out final strike is a pretty big blow. Um, I'm sure you could there's plenty other cards in the deck that you could take out to justify because as we'll talk about at the end yeah as we'll talk about at the end um with the tactics deck I think it is the weakest of all 8 and so I think even though his cards are fairly strong you could still you could leave final strike in there and still have a fair and balanced uh tactics deck um and some could even still argue that it would still be on the weaker side if you left final strike in there um, but uh overall, I think he he's definitely not like top for competitive by no means, but I think uh he's definitely uh fun to play especially i i haven't uh i don't think I've played him yet in. 2021 but i know i played him a lot in 1.6 uh he was one of my favorites to play um so uh we'll just have to kind of see with him uh important thing to also note with the outflank is it does kind of suck that you're incentivized to like outflank otherwise like you're saying you're really not getting much but it is nice that you claim the maneuver you bring them on unactivated and now your opponent not only has to turn around they actually can't they have a really hard choice to make now do they block the free attack because you could shoot them with the free attack and then charge and then not still not be activated so do they block that turn around because they can't do both uh not unless they have something that lets them take the uh like a, i guess they could like um if they had like Lady Val or something where you could replace it with a free maneuver. But um, normally in most situations, you're either going to be able to turn around to prevent a rear charge or like shot charge, or you're going to have to take that free attack. And in which case they're going to shoot and charge your rear. Um, So I think Davos, among most things, is one of the most reliable outflanks. So there at least is that.
1: Uh, I will um, point out and... that real quick. While, while bastard girls are, in my opinion, the obvious choice for him to outflank, you still can outflank <laughs> other things. Outflanking something like bolting blackguards into their backfield and going, okay, I may not be a great damage dealer, but do you still want me in your backfield? Um still isn't something i think your opponent wants to see uh yep uh i think the problem is he doesn't really mesh like you kind of alluded to he doesn't really mesh well actually though with or with the baratheon units themselves uh it is kind of like bolton seems to actually fit him better than than (laughs) than the the baratheon stuff but you don't have to do bad girls i just think it's the best option out of what you got
0: I have one list where he's in, uh, dervishes, just, uh, you know, try to get those dervishes in the flank or not flank, but the rear to get the, hit their ability off. Um, just cause I was on like a, for a little while, I was making a bunch of lists, trying to really make dervishes work. Um, and we'll get into them when we do the neutral episodes, but yeah, I think, uh, there's a lot of potential for Davis's outflank. Um, but you really, I think Bastard girls are the easy, hands-down best option, but because, like we we're saying, outflank, if you don't use the outflank, you're really not getting much out of that just having Pathfinder. So with that said, you really want to use outflank, and if you really want to use it, you really have to maximize what you're outflanking with. Um That'll lead us to our last commander and my personal favorite. Not because he's the best; I just like the way he, what he does, and the way he works. And that's Andrew Estremont. And I not only absolutely love his model, um, but uh, he has true conviction. If this unit is a breathy unit, for each uh, each time it attacks an enemy with more remaining ranks, it may reroll any attack dice. He has first of the king's men ability. Um, You count as controlling the crown and mail zones for taxes cards that target this unit, and he has loyalty status. His first card is Assault Orders. When a friendly NCU claims a zone, replace that zone's effect with one friendly combat unit performs one attack action, not melee attack. If this targets Andrew's unit, they may perform one charge action instead. Reckless Fury is the second one. When a friendly unit is performing a melee attack, four rolling attack dice. This attacking gains vicious and rolls its highest attack die value. After completing this attack, the attacker suffers two wounds minus one wound for each of its destroyed ranks. So like a Stark mechanic right there. Um, And his last one is Rush of Aggression that we had uh, sort of talked about before. When a friendly unit is performing a charge action before rolling charge distance dice, this unit automatically counts as rolling a 6 on all charge distance dice, and their melee attacks gain critical blow. After this attack has been, unless the attacker is Andrew's uh, unit, they become vulnerable. So uh, I am going to say that Andrew is really high up there. I would argue to say he's number three, right behind Courtney and uh, Eldon. And I would say he's, in my opinion, easily the best Stannis uh, option. Uh, All three of his cards are awesome. Uh, An auto six is huge uh, for charging and giving you that crit blow. Um, Reckless Fury, Fury is in my opinion, easily his weakest card, but I still think, uh, highest attack die value and vicious gives a lot of, you know, if you're at last rank, um, you know, it's huge. You're not taking any damage. You are getting max dice, you're getting that vicious. Um, but, uh, it's definitely his weakest, but it, I don't think it's horrible. Um, and then assault orders. I mean, it's arguably one of the best cards in the game. Um, I wouldn't say it is the best, but it's one of the best. A free attack by replacing any zone, especially if it's a zone you don't like the crown. I don't want to zap anyone, so I'm just going to take the crown and uh, get a free attack out of it. And then uh, Andrew's abilities, um, you know, I'll just pull up their Texas deck real quick. But, uh, you know, it's all uh, for the crown and mail, for all tactics cards that you want to target... Uh, with so Andrew himself hits those zones. The base deck, that means Brathian Justice is automatically going to heal you too. Um, Stag's Wit, uh, you'll be able to throw a token within long range if it was his unit that they tried to target with a token. Hours of the Fury is the big one because uh, you throw An- uh, Andrew in some Kingsmen because they can go get Hours of Fury over and over or well, once per round, but uh, that that means his unit uh if you use hours our, as the fury on his unit they're always going to be hitting with plus 1 to hit sundering and vicious all the keywords or I should say all the options for hours of the fury um what's the next one uh conviction uh Baratheon conviction they'll always be able to reroll attack dice um so the true conviction almost if you throw brathing conviction on them almost it pretty much makes True Conviction uh, useless at that point. I mean, brassing Conviction can fall off from a failed panic test, but, uh, and then what's left? Uh, final Strike, if uh, if you have to play Final Strike on Andrew, they're always going to have that minus one to defense dice and Oath of Duty. Uh, if you He's a prime target for throwing an Oath of Duty on right away, because you know you're always going to have that crown once something dies in order to constantly throw out some tokens. So, uh, I mean I can't, you know, talk enough good things about Andrew. Uh I almost feel like even though Reckless Fury is just a pretty decent card, if they made this card even better, uh, like tier like his other two, uh I I would almost argue that he'd probably be uh possibly too good. But I think Andrew's my favorite also because um he really takes the Baratheon deck from the worst to the fact that you always have the, a target for all of the spots you need, he turns the deck into so much better. Um, you know, because the Brathian deck, if we were to just say you didn't need any zones and you just got all the secondary effects, it'd be a much better deck. Now I'm not saying that's what needs to be done with the deck, but uh, the fact that you have both zones is just amazing. Um, Spencer, what do you think, Andrew?
1: So, I really like him. Uh, I'm I, not sure if I'm as high on him as you are. Uh, I do think he's definitely good and in the running for number three. Um, the third best. I uh, do not like the Reckless Fury. Uh, I think it's too much of a Stark card, which makes no sense to me. Um, and it's also basically Insight with a downside. So, what? Um, to me, uh, his other two cards are really good, though. Uh, Assault Orders, yeah, that's, that's always good. That's another card I will point out, another card that is different across factions, and I don't get why. Some factions can do a ranged attack with it, others can't. It's literally a melee attack. Um, I don't quite get why it's different when it's the same name across different factions, but it is what it is. However, with ours being anything means you can shoot light bringers for free if you want. Uh, That's kind of a big deal. (laughs) Uh, uh, Rush of aggression, always getting any car that gives a six inch auto charge is always going to be good. Getting critical blow on top of it. That's even worth getting the vulnerable even if it's not Andrew's unit. Um, Yeah, I think he meshes well with Kingsman because they go get ours of the fury and like he pointed out, I put him actually in wardens because I think being more defensive and keeping him on the field longer is more important to me. And because he gets all the zones, if a Kingsman's pulling you R's of the fury, he's getting all three zones anyway, or all three things. Uh, so for two points cheaper, I find that more suitable for him. Uh, like you kind of said, breath and conviction does kind of ma or clash with the, uh, True loyalty, which kind of seems odd that he has that in the first place. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the true loyalty is the only problem I actually kind of have with this commander, though, uh, The like the field commander. the Always having zones, I've had great success with Oath of Duty and Brathing Conviction actually sticking to his unit uh, has been great. I've seen it in the past. uh Ars of the Fury... Like you said, Stag's Wit and just uh, Baratheon Justice working all the time is nice. Uh, he definitely, for one unit, will make the Tactics Tech actually feel stronger, uh, noticeably stronger. Um, but it is only for his unit, so there's the limitation to it. Uh, I do think he's, like I said, two great cards in Rush of Aggression and uh, Assault Orders, and one just meh card. I've often actually just pitched it rather than even playing it. Uh, yeah, he, he's a good commander. I, I think he probably is the number three commander. I think though it's not a clear number three commander.
0: Who would you uh, argue is uh, uh, close in the running? The uh, the other Runley. Um, I uh, guess we really talked about the the Stormlands, the one that we talked about
1: before. Oh, Lord Paramount? Uh, no, because his cards are too dysfunctional in my opinion for him to be there. Uh, I will say Stannis' Rightful Air probably is actually right there too, uh, for, for third. Uh, we didn't talk about Rightful Air at all, but Rightful Air actually, I think it might be the most synergized of the tactics cards for one commander. Um, he, he's pretty good. I, I actually think he's probably number three. Um, after that, I mean, I would like to say I want to like Charismatic Air for Renly. He has issues, though, with his tactics cards. Uh, that mostly that I think they're too weak for what they do. Um, but his commander is amazing. Uh, so I, I just think there's other things that are in the running for him. But I think most... Most of the Baratheon things have at least one problem, either like, their tactics cards are a little weak, but their commander's really good, and then the opposite. Maybe their commander's weak, but their tactics cards are pretty good. Uh, they don't seem to to mesh as well as you'd like. Yeah.
0: So, that kind of concludes the commanders. Uh, I'll briefly talk about the uh, tactics deck, so... First up, we got breathing Justice. When a friendly unit passes a morale test, target all enemies engaged with this unit. They become vulnerable. If you control the male, this unit restores two wounds. Stag's Wit. When a friendly unit gains a condition token, remove that token. You may then target one enemy engaged with that unit. They gain one condition token of that type. If you control the male, target one enemy in long range. They gain one condition token of the same type. Ours is the Fury. When a friendly unit is performing melee attack before rolling attack dice, choose one. For each zone you control among the crown or letter, choose plus one. So you'll get one initially. You could get all three if you control the letter and the mail. So the options are plus one to hit, thundering, and vicious. Sustained assault. When a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, if this unit began the turn engaged with the defender, it rolls its highest attack die value. If the defender has more remaining ranks than the attacker, the defender becomes vulnerable. Baratheon Conviction. When a friendly unit passes a panic test from being attacked, attach this card to that unit until it fails a panic test. While this card is attached, this unit counts as having plus one rank from for determining attack dice. While you control the crown, this unit may reroll any attack dice. Final strike, after an enemy completes an attack, for each wound the defender suffered from this attack, one enemy they are engaged with suffers one hit. If you control the crown, that enemy suffers minus one to defense dice rolls against these hits. Then lastly, Oath of Duty. Start of any turn, target one friendly combat unit and attach this card to them to the end of the game. When a friendly infantry or cavalry unit is destroyed, place one order token on this card. When this card has a token, the attached unit gains... This unit suffers minus one wound from failing panic tests while you control the crown. Each time this unit performs a melee attack, the defender gains one condition token. So... Um, starting off with Justice, uh, as you've mentioned, Spencer, as others have mentioned all, uh, online, simply this card just, I think, the easiest fix, which still just makes it an okay card, is to flip the abilities. Um, when you pass, regain two wounds. And if you control the letter, all enemies engaged become vulnerable. Um, Wit. I personally don't think anything's wrong with Stag's wit. It went from, in my opinion, the arguably the worst card in one point six to a really strong, great card. Um, with the ability to, you know, uh place out two tokens and get rid of one off yourself. Ours is the Fury, arguably the best card, uh along with uh Final Strike. Um it's pretty easy to get at least two of these abilities, and in some cases you only need two if, uh, for example, you already have Thundering or Vicious, or if like you hit on threes and you have rerolls, then the plus one to hit isn't as important. Uh, Sustained Assault is the one that's kind of uh, really lackluster, I think, because uh, you have gauged with the Defender to roll your highest attack die. Um, and you then have to be down ranks to make them vulnerable, which is the most common token uh, for the Baratheons. Let's see. Baratheon Conviction uh, is great. It's just it seems to fall off too easy. Um, So, I don't know how I think this card permanently attached with no way to fall off would be too good, but like I said, uh, unless you again, as we've mentioned throughout this episode, is that if you have uh, Relor Faithful, then this card is you know probably going to last really really long. But otherwise, on a lot of other stuff, usually it'll last like around and then fall off. Final strike arguably the best card along with the Hours is fury. This card can change games. If your opponent like charges into let's say your Roller Faithful or something squishy and deals you like eight wounds and then you have the crown and they have to take eight saves back at minus one. Um you know that's a reaction, meaning that it's about to be your action if you haven't attacked or activated that unit yet, pretty much you could finish off a unit with this card. And then Oath of Duty, um it's arguably weaker than some of the other faction cards that attach but it's it's definitely not the weakest so overall uh i'm fine with this card i think uh you know the minus 1 to damage uh can really stack nicely with some things and you know if you do have that crown uh being able to just constantly throw out any token you want um uh has to be to the whoever you're attacking with that attack. So obviously engaged because it's a melee. But still, um, I really don't have a problem with Oath of Duty. But overall, as we we're kind of saying, this this deck it just needs something to because the handful of games I've played with it, other than like Hours of the Fury and Final Strike. Uh, and even then, those cards aren't super useful right away. Like, it's usually like turn three, four, or five where you're wanting those cards anyways. But uh, everything else, when I see them and when I draw them, I'm never overly excited about any of it, uh, which I think kind of says something about the deck. Um, it just, they just seem like little tiny tools to help you with a little extra here or there, unlike... You know, because I play every faction. I play a lot of Ice and Fire. I play all the factions. And this is the only deck where I feel like that. It's the only deck where I'm like, all right, I got these cards. Uh, Every other faction, I draw into, you know, plenty of cards where I'm like, okay, this is useful. All right, start developing my game plan around these cards and how I'm going to maximize my damage and my tactics. Whereas these are just like, they usually don't change my strategy in any way they're just okay if my strategy happens to bring me to these cards then i play them um spencer what do you think
1: so i would say it's probably the weakest though i think the other argument is starks starks are in not a good spot either for their tactics deck um that being said yeah uh so like going going through the cards, just
2: uh, okay.
1: All right, we'll we'll start at basically what you were saying. Brathian Justice. I feel they needed to flip those two. I needed a more the uh, Brathians need a more reliable heal and needing to pass a morale test and control a zone to heal two. Uh, it's rough. Um, it's very rough. Uh, there's plenty of times where it's like I need to heal this unit. Oh, I passed a uh, panic test. I don't have the letters. Crap, I can't heal with this card yet. Um, it's It can be rough. I, I really wish they had flipped those two, and I think that card still wouldn't be great, but I wouldn't have a complaint at that point anymore. Uh, I feel like the healing is the most important part of the card. Uh, Stag's Wit, it's nice. It's a nice toolbox card. Uh, there have There's only a couple times I think I've gotten to put out two tokens, but uh, going back to where we always have vulnerable options, Baratheon Justice being one of them, so many times because Brathians have good armor, they're trying to put vulnerables on you. And Stag's Wit is normally, for me, just remove the vulnerable and put it back on you. Um, it, it's often just putting more vulnerables out, in my opinion. Uh, at least that's what I've seen in most of my games. Ours uh, of Fury, as you alluded to, pretty much round one and two, you probably don't want this card. But after round three or round three and beyond, this is a great card. It, it' not much you need to say about it. It can do a lot of damage. It's really our big damage dealing card, and a lot of units I think are in the brass army are lackluster when it comes to damage, and this is the card that they need to actually push damage. Stained assault, so. Pretty much, unless you get this card at, like, turn four, I would say, it's almost never doing me anything. Uh, there's plenty of times I've drawn it turn two, and I just have to hold it on until the end of the turn and pitch it, because it's just not going to work. Uh, I have used it, though, at great effect, where I've been down to one rank, attack at max rank and vulnerable You, Yeah, I've had times where it actually has worked the way I think it's intended, and I've actually gotten to do some nice swing damage. Uh, it's just, it's very situational. I need to be down really low. Uh, I need to hope my opponent maybe is only at two ranks to my one rather than at max rank, otherwise I'm still going to be in trouble. Uh, it's just, it's a very clunky card that's not easy to use properly, and you mostly want it late game. Uh Brassing Conviction, you pointed out the main flaw, is that it falls off really easy. Unlike you, though, I don't think it would be too good, even if it didn't fall off. Uh, I do wish then one of two things. Either, again, I feel like the re-roll is the most important part of this card, and it's locked behind a zone. So either swap the effects, or it needs to be harder to to fail the panic test. Maybe add a plus one to panic test to what it's attached to. Uh, plus one to morale or something uh, or change it even to this card can only be played when a friendly tactics or when you pass a friendly panic test from being attacked. Maybe make it where it's only if you fail a panic test from being attacked. Uh, I've seen people literally, I get this card on after being attacked and then they crowned at me and I lose it then. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. You know, it, it was harder to put on than it was to take off right uh and it didn't give me great value to begin with um final strike so i have one story i'll say about this it's kind of situational i generally go if they did less than three wounds i'm not gonna play it i i want to do more of a swing a harder swing so the one story i had is i had hit a screamer unit with Kel drogo in it and i had done five wounds to them And they had out-activated me, so they said, okay, at the end of the round, I'm going to charge you and hit you. I had 10 wounds left in a Sentinel unit. They knocked out nine after the panic test. And I final striked him back for nine with a minus one, and I had a vulnerable on him. And that completely flipped the game. At that point in the game, I was done. I had very little options, and this single-handedly flipped the game and I ended up winning the game because of um, killing Khal Drogo with nine hits back. Uh, I got very lucky to survive with just one wound to, to play this card. Uh, it, was, it was very nice. And I've seen this card flip combats. Uh, I will say it, it rarely flips a game for me. But I've seen it flip one-on-one contests where it's like, we're pretty even. You hit me good and then I hit you right back with the final strike and then follow it up with my own attack to either finish you or cripple you. Uh, Oath of Duty. I will say pretty much again, the minus one to failing panic test is nice and it's something Baratheon's need. Do not get me wrong. But when I compare it to any other on death card that's out there, I still look at this card and go, it's the weakest. Uh I still kind of go, I think the best ability, again, is locked behind a, a zone. Getting able to put out tokens before I do a, an attack. Um, yeah, I find that better than minus one to panic damage. Uh, and it's locked behind a zone. So
0: I would, uh, say, uh, I
1: would
0: say the Stark one is probably worse, and only because, uh, like, Obviously, if something died lately and you still had the ability to, like, charge and do all that stuff to get, like, maximized out of the auto sticks for the Stark one, then yeah. But because it's such, like, late game when something dies, hopefully, that uh, a lot of the Stark one is not, like, useful.
1: Uh, I guess I can ag- I can agree, actually, with that one. Yeah, the Stark one is... Rough too. Um, I would say this is probably better than than that one, uh, but still the other it's ones second, you look at in the game. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: the other ones you look at in the game, you're just like, wow, that's that's a lot better. Um, it is what it is, though. Uh, the tactics deck, in my opinion, I actually think maybe the Starks are a weaker tactics deck, but this is right there. Uh, it's not. It's at a quarter step above it. Um, it's. It's got issues, and I think a lot of them are just the problem I have with it is the best part of the card is locked behind a zone, and it's a zone I don't actually want. I just need it for my card. Um, that That's my biggest yeah. issue, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I'd agree, and it'll be interesting to see if uh, Simon does anything with this deck, um, you know, uh I really don't think it needs like some drastic overhaul. Like every card needs to go back to the drawing board. But uh I think they most of the cards they could just tweak a little bit here or there and then I think it'll it'll drastically uh change the the way the deck operates. But uh we'll have to see. Overall, um I think Brathians are probably one of the weaker factions, but I don't think they're trash or anything I think uh they definitely have a lot of strong tools to be a very competitive faction. Um there's certain things you might have to take in order to compete with some of the really strong stuff like, you know, Elden, uh Courtney, uh Stag Those are some like the key stuff that you'll probably have to run in most your lists in order to really kind of help with some of the power um balance between certain factions, but um, I think you could definitely take Baratheons to a major event and do uh extremely well depending on your matchups. Um you just unlike some factions, you're a little more restricted on what you'd have to run. Um and you just you would have to play play to the mission, kinda of play smart. Um overall there's a lot of things a lot of I like about Baratheons and uh it'll be interesting to see what kind of comes out in the future for the runly side of things. Because uh, I know, you know, Baratheons are basically like two factions in one, um, but uh, you know, they kind of make up for that because they do still have a ton of options. Uh, you know, even though like you have to split all the Stannis away from the run and vice versa, you know, they still have all that in between, and then the amount, let's say, for like uh, Stannis side of things, still is enough that uh, like just the Stannis side of things is almost like its own faction all in itself. Um you know, they might have a couple less options than other factions, but uh you know, I think uh I think we'll have to see how it goes. I think Brathians are, you know have a little uh, a little bit to go, but uh we'll kinda see. Uh we only have uh, like sixty seconds left. What's your final thoughts, Spencer?
1: Um, I do think the Baratheans can compete with a lot of things. Uh, I just think, yes, the best stuff in the game, the Night's Watch, the Mother of Dragons, uh, some of the crazy Lannister things you can do, those are the things they can't compete against. I think they can compete very well against almost anything else. Though. Uh, they can at least compete. I do think that they are down uh, against everything but Starks. Like, they are kind of the underdog but they can compete as an underdog. Um, I I do want to see some changes, and I I kind of hope Simons at least looking at options, but for the time being, I'm still not up, like, I'm not looking to sell my army because they're a bad faction. They're not. They just, they're a little more difficult to play now than some other factions, and that's just the way I look at it, and there's nothing wrong with it.
0: I definitely agree. Uh, I want to say thank you all for you know listening, and you know this will be the last part of the three-part for Baratheons. I, I really appreciate everyone listening, and um, you know stay tuned for our next topic, which will either be Targaryens or neutrals, and uh, we will talk to you then. This is Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.